Wow, what a beautiful song. Yeah, he is with us through it all. Amen. Or well, isn't just so blessed this morning uh, in, in our service. I see some faces here that we hadn't seen in a while. The Jenkins family, good to see you guys back again. Pathy, of course. And Pastor Amador and his family, his wife, his granddaughter, we're so blessed to have you. Je Jessica, Barbara's niece, it's so pleasant to have you here with us. And each one of you, and some of our visitors that have been coming back, we're just so blessed to see them also worshiping us with, this, with us this morning. And Matthew's back. Amen. Praise God. We have Miss Matthew. You know, he's involved now in prison ministry, so that's, that's amazing stuff. So we're just so blessed to see you guys back again. Of course, today, a uh, special prayer, because this is a special weekend like has been mentioned. So let's pray one more time. Dear God, we are just so thankful, because on that cross, Jesus said, It is finished. Because the plan of salvation had been executed and his death on the cross had paid the penalty of our sins. But we also understand, Lord, that at the end of time, we will hear those words again. It is finished because sin will be done with forever and a new earth will be created for us. We thank you, God, for the blessing of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's stand up and sing Shine, Jesus Shine, which is the beginning of our our Revelation seminar, so don't forget that we're getting close to the end. We have three more sermons today and two more sermons, and we finished the series on Revelation. I think it's been exciting, at least for me, when I prepare these sermons, I'm just so excited. <laughs> Revelation is a message of hope. So let's sing together, Shine, Jesus Shine. Shine, Jesus, shine. Okay, let's sing that chorus. You ready? Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Place, spirit, place. Set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. Amen. Shine, Jesus, shine. Lord, I come to your awesome presence from the shadows unto your radiance blood i may enter your brightness search me try me consume all my darkness shine on me shine on me shine jesus shine fill this land with the father's glory blaze spirit blaze Set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. 
display your likeness, ever changing from glory to glory. Mirror here are our lives, tell your story, shine on me, shine on me, shine Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory, blaze, Spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire, flow, river, flow, the nations with grace and mercy, send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. One more time, the chorus. Shine, Jesus, shine, fill this land with the Father's glory, blaze, Spirit, blaze, set our hearts on fire, flow, river, flow, flood the nations with grace and mercy, send forth your word. Lord, and let there be light, let there be light. Amen. You can be seated. We're on our sixth topic already. Can you imagine that? We've progressed, and we only have three topics left. So today, we're going to have another part of our series, but let's just remember the main topic of the series. Anyone remember? Revelation, a message of what? A message of hope. So let's go ahead and put the PowerPoints up and we'll get started right away. So open your Bibles to Revelation 16. That's where we're going to be at today. Revelation chapter 16. So let's see if we can uh, make this advance here. Okay, so here's the topic for today. Jesus will be the overcomer in what? Armageddon. So today we're going to be studying about Armageddon. That's, that's a really interesting topic. So let's, let's read what the Bible says about this. So first of all, we have to find the context. So the context is during the seven last plagues. So it's the sixth plague where it talks about Armageddon. So we have the sores, the oceans that are polluted, the rivers polluted, the, the sun scorches people, darkness on the beast and his kingdom. Then we have the drying of the Euphrates River and then the seventh plague, earthquake, hell, thunder, lightning, etc., Jesus coming. So we have the sixth plague. So we're talking about the sixth plague. So we have the seventh plague. The sixth plague is where we're going to be studying today. So let's start right there in Revelation uh, chapter 16, verse 12. So let's start with verse 12. So I'm going to put it up here on the screen. And the sixth angel poured out. What did he pour out? Poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And then it goes on to say, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. Verse 14. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world and to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Now look what it says here. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then 
It says here, they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Wow, so this is going to be very interesting. You know, uh, as I was studying this, I found out that there's a lot of uh, conjectures. There's a lot of false conclusions about, about uh, Armageddon. Uh, great statesmen and, and maybe leaders in the world have misinterpreted the meanings or have altered the meaning of Armageddon. For example, in the Second World War, when the Japanese did not want to surrender, you know what the United States did. You know, they sent the atomic bomb over to Japan to uh, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that devastating destruction caused the Japanese to surrender. But look what happened. It was the September 2nd, 1945, a treaty was signed upon a warship. It was called the Missouri Warship. And Douglas MacArthur, when the Japanese were just about to sign that treaty, these were the words that he pronounced. This is our last chance. If we do not establish a greater and more equitable system, Armageddon will be at the gates. Of course, he was referring to, in his mind, a third world war, which would be the end of all mankind. And so we see how there's a lot of misinterpretations. We know that actually, you know, the Bible is talking about something deeper. There's a more transcendent implication when we study the topic of Armageddon. And like I said, there, 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 there are not even movies called Armageddon, right, with Bruce Willis, and they go up with a, a team of constructors, and they have to destroy this, this huge uh, rock that's coming to destroy the earth. And so there's just a, a bunch of really uh, false uh, ideas around this. But let, 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 let's, let's get to the, to the topic that uh, we're going to be discussing today. So our world is the scene of the final battle in the great cosmic controversy. So Armageddon has to do with the great last conflict between God and Satan, between good and evil. And, and so the text that we were reading literally says that there's three powers that are going to get together, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, that's in verse 13, and they are going to attack God and his people. These are powers of evil. And then it says three frog-like spirits. So uh, we have a false trinity here. We have the, the, the three frog-like spirits. So a lot of things have been discussed about this. And I found some very interesting uh, uh, ideas or interpretations of the three frogs. But if you go way back into history, you see the three frogs have, uh, or not the three frogs, but the frogs in essence has been one of the objects of worship since, since way long ago. I mean, even the Egyptians had the frogs as one of their main deities. And, and you can see that through a lot of uh, pagan uh, worship. We have uh, the frogs in some uh, pagan nations as the, the god of the rain. And, and so it's been something that's been worshipped for a long time, the frogs. But I find it interesting that these evil spirits, because it says these are spirits of demons. And we'll go more deep, deeper into that later on in the topic today. But I find it very interesting that when these three powers, the dragon, which is Satan, the beast, which we studied last week, which is the, the papacy, the Catholic system, and then the false prophet that has to do with the United States and, and Protestantism that has really decayed. Uh, it's interesting how all three of these are working somewhat like a frog. So what does the frog catch its prey with? The tongue. And it's interesting how that false manifestation of the spiritual gift called the speaking in tongues is involved in all of these. So you see that when people go to these mediums and they go to these uh, witches to, to, to try to talk with their 
their dead that's supposed to come and talk to them, uh, they, 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 talk, they talk in tongues in those, in those meetings. Then we have now in the Catholic Church with a lot of the reformed movements that are in the Catholic Church, they're now practicing speaking in tongues. The false speaking of tongues that, that we don't find in the Bible, but it's mentioned that it's, it's something that was going to happen. And then we have also in a lot of the, the evangelical churches, they practice also speaking in tongues, which is something that is actually made up from the devil. It's not something that's biblical. And so, you know, just interesting how these three frog-like spirits, you know, so I just found that interesting. But there's a false trinity, so there's these powers of evil. And then, of course, we have the true trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the powers of good. And so just like they have these three spirits in the form of frogs, God also has three angels that are giving his message today, which is God's remnant church. So we have the three angels of Revelation 14, 6 through 12. So uh, that, that's just amazing. So let, let's discuss a little bit what the word Armageddon means. So if we want to understand that great final conflict, we have to understand the term. So the meaning of Armageddon. So we have two voices in Hebrew. We will point it out to you. So one is Gar, which means mountain, and Megiddo, which means place of troops or armies. So we have mountain and place of troops, also known in the Bible as the place of the killing. Mountain of Megiddo is mentioned in, in the Bible and also the battle of the mountain of Megiddo. It's also called in the Bible the valley of Josephat or Jehoshaphat. Some Bibles have it different. And also the valley of decision. And one of the passages that, that we can find that in is Joel 3 verses 9 to 15. So I, I just want you to see the meaning. So it's mountain and place of troops, okay? Now, now check this out. Every time we find a battle in the Bible that takes place in this valley, and I had the privilege of being there in, in October of, uh, of 2019, it's a huge valley. It's a huge, huge valley. And so this valley, every time that the children of Israel had a battle there, notice, take note of this, they never lost. <laughs> so this is just amazing. So remember, Revelation is symbolic. So this is not talking about a geographical place. It's talking about something bigger and something deeper. So, so it designates a place where God always has won. Okay? So all the battles that God's people had there were victorious. You know, we can go way back to uh, Deborah and, and Barak. Okay? With, with Sisera. And God intervened, and they won that battle. And every single battle that has been fought there from the children of Israel in the Bible, they, they always won. So here we have a problem for Satan, because he gathers his people in the wrong place where he has always lost. Okay? So, so uh, he, he's a little bit messed up there, right? So th there's an enigma here. So how can a valley at the same time be a mountain? Because the, the meaning, we saw the meaning, gar, which means mountain, and then Megiddo, place of truth. So how can a valley be a mountain? So to understand that, we have to realize that it's not a geographical place like I was mentioning. It's something bigger than that because actually there's no valley in this world that could gather all the armies of the world. I mean, I went to Megiddo and it's a huge valley, but you can't put all the armies of the world in that place. So we know it's not a geographical place. It designates a place where God has always what? One. It refers to the final conflict. Satan gathers his armies in the wrong place, the place that he will lose and be destroyed. God gathers his armies, according to Revelation 14.1. Now I can understand why a valley can be a mountain. Revelation 14.1, we see the 144,000 on Mount what? 
Sion. On Mount Sion, which is God's mountain. So we have the, the mountain of God. So that we have the 144,000. They have been sealed. They're with the Lamb. They're gathered together just waiting to know the salvation of our Lord. Okay? So that's why I think the valley can be a mountain. Because the, the, the redeemed are on Mount Sion in the same context. So we have two places. We have two armies. Okay? We actually have... Let me put it up here on the screen for you. We have two captains. We have Satan and Jesus. Okay? We have the armies of Satan, the armies of Jesus. We have two cities, Babylon. Okay? The, the Babylon in the book of Revelation, the mystical Babylon or the symbolic Babylon. We have the new Jerusalem. Okay? We have two capitals in conflict, Revelation 14.1. So uh, this is talking about the last final conflict before the coming of Jesus Christ. So let's go to the verse again. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, and the king, and to make way through the kings of the east that might be prepared. So here we have another interesting data. It talks about a river. What river is it? Okay, so we have to go back in history a little bit so we can understand what the Bible is talking about in Revelation. So if we go back to the city of Babylon, notice how the river Euphrates goes right, let me just go back here a little bit. So it goes right through the city. So it was actually the life of the city because they would be able to bring vessels with merchandise and food and also sell their merchandise. So it, it was just important. It was, it was the life of the city. So we have the river that goes right through Babylon. Here's another uh, painting that an artist did so we can have an idea how the city of Babylon was. Notice the, the width and the height of these walls. I mean, that was just incredible. And then we have the river that goes right through there. Of course, they had this barred up. They had this uh, canceled so that no one could go in and out without permission. Okay. And then they have this water that goes around like these canals that go around the, the city also as protection. And so th this was something amazing. It was amazing, uh, the city of, of Babylon. And, of course, this is where it was located. So we have this, this city. Now, how was the city conquered? Anyone recall how the city was conquered? So we have these two cousins, I think they're cousins, at least that was some historians say, uh, uh, Cyrus and, and, and Dyrus. They, they went and attacked this city, but when they went there, they found out that they could, there was no way of conquering this city. The walls were huge and tall, and some historians say that, that Belchester was actually on the wall making fun of them. It's like, <laughs> you can't get me, man, what's wrong with you? They had plenty of food. They could have survived for years with the amount of food that they had stopped. But then Cyrus made a very uh, interesting plan. They literally deviated the river. So, so imagine, let, let's see uh, uh, some paintings that some artists have done. So here we have this dry section here. So what they did is they, they built a trench around the city. And they got the water from the river to flow on another course. And so literally the bank of the river was dried up. Here's another, another picture that can help us out. So you see the armies going into the cities. Look at the size of those walls. So we have the armies going now under, under the city where the river was. So that was an amazing strategy that was used to be able to conquer the city. So before the king knew it, the armies... Not only were inside the city, conquering the city, they were inside of his court, taking over everything. And they literally conquered the city just by drying up the river. 
Okay, so as we study this, we, we have to realize that this has a very important meaning in prophecy because Euphrates represents the people. Remember that waters in the Bible represent what? We've already studied that. It represents people, nations, kindred, population. So Euphrates represents the people over which symbolic Babylon dominates. So if the river is dry, then what happened to the support of those people to Babylon? Okay, so let, let's see what happens here. The drying up of its water indicates that its support for Babylon is literally withdrawn. Okay, so, so why does this happen? Well, when the people remove the blindfold that they have in their eyes, and they discover that they have been deceived, and that they're following lies, they will turn against those leaders that have deceived them. The fall of modern or symbolic Babylon, that religious confusion that exists because of those three powers that we're mentioned, and, and more specifically or mainly the Catholic Church, uh, these powers will have to fall before the arrival of Jesus Christ and his second coming. And this will not be done by earthly kings. So we're not going to see another Cyrus or, or, or another king. No, this is Jesus himself. So look what the Bible says. The Bible says, well, let's, let's read this first. I found this in the Adventist Bible commentary. It says, so the withdrawal of human support for symbolic Babylon is seen as the removal of the last barrier to her final defeat and punishment. So the kings of the east, these are not kings that are going to come from some country in the east towards Israel. Okay? These are the kings of the east representing Christ and the angels that will accompany him. And Armageddon, the last battle of the great conflict between Christ and Satan, will be fought on the battlefield of this earth. Now let's go back to those three powers because I find that very, very interesting. So we mentioned that we have these three powers, the dragon, the beast, the false prophets. These three powers, they come together. Okay, and what, what do they do? Well, they're going to attack God. They're going to attack his people. They're going to attack the truth. So we have these three powers that come together. And, and, and just to be more specific, we understand that this represents the spiritual confusion that's created by whom? By Satan. The union of spiritism Catholicism and the apostate Protestantism. So here we have these three, these three powers. The triple alliance called Babylon will be destroyed. So, so notice how the devil works because he's, he's getting these three powers together today as we speak. So don't be surprised when we see a lot of powerful evangelical preachers aligning themselves up with the Roman Catholic Church. We're not supposed to be surprised. The ecumenical movement, which is basically led by the Catholic Church, is so powerful that today many of the Christian churches recognize the Pope as a representative of Christianism in this world, or Christianity. So, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. And now how does the devil play in this? Well, it's interesting, I found during my study this, this past couple of weeks, I was trying to look more into the, uh, uh, the false prophet. I found out that a lot, a lot of powerful evangelical pastors are now preaching that you can actually speak to the dead. 
So notice how spiritism is, is, is invading these other, two, these other two beasts. And the Catholic Church, I mean, they've been involved with this a long time. You know, they, they've been practicing all types of witchcraft for, for centuries. So we're not surprised in, in, that, in that area. But it's interesting how Satan, the dragon, which represents spiritism, is invading everything. And Hollywood has played a very important role in this because, I mean, they produce so many things, so many series and so many movies to make us think that the dead are really alive. Series that talks about ghosts. Uh, uh, you know, we, we see a lot of series that have to do with UFOs and everything. Like, like one of the professors in theology would say, well, witches would, would, would fly on brooms. Now they fly in UFOs because they have modernized themselves. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's interesting how spiritism is invading everything. And, and so we shouldn't be surprised because this was already mentioned in the Bible. So they come together to fight against God and his people. And, and, and notice this. We read this last week, but we're going to read it again. But, but right before we go there, I just want to go back to Babylon because Belshazzar was celebrating the day that he was invaded. You guys notice that in the Bible when you read the book of Daniel? He was celebrating. He was calm. He didn't think that the Medes and the Persians were going to be conquering his city. So he was celebrating. And then a hand appeared. You remember that hand that appeared and wrote on the wall, Men and Mene Tekel Uparsin? Well, just as Babylon fell, the symbolic Babylon in Revelation will also fall. And you know why it's going to fall? Look what it says in the Bible. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will... Let's read it together. The Lamb will overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. Wow, this is just a beautiful, a beautiful topic, because the kings of the east, Christ and His angels, will conquer the great Babylon and rescue God's people. The Lamb will win. The Lamb will win. Jesus will con conquer, and not to take us to an earthly Jerusalem, because even today, you know, when I was in Jerusalem in, in 2019, uh, we have the Jews living in one section, the Muslims living in another section, the Christians living in another section, and they're always fighting. Well, no, Jesus is not going to take us to an earthly kingdom called Jerusalem. He's going to take us to the heavenly kingdom called the New Jerusalem, <laughs> Okay. And, and, and right when all this is happening, there is a loud cry. You guys remember the loud cry? Babylon is fallen. So let, let, let's read that. That's right there in Revelation. Uh, let's go to Revelation chapter 18, verse 2. Babylon the great is fallen. Is fallen. Has become a dwelling place of demons. A prison for every foul spirit. And a cage for every unclean and hated bird. And then it continues. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Lest he share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. So we have an invitation from the Lord here. The Lord invites people to leave the confusion, to leave the great Babylon. Yeah, that great Babylon that is about to be destroyed. Get out of it. Don't identify yourself with her. If you want to be part of God's people, you got to leave Babylon. Don't delay Jeremiah had talked about this because Jeremiah was one of those prophets that, that his ministry was for many, many years. 
So he saw the fall of Jerusalem. He saw them taken captive, and he prophesied, and he was there when they came back. So Jeremiah, you know, he, he was able to tell the Jews that when, when Babylon was going to be destroyed, they should be where? Out of Babylon. They should not be in Babylon. So let, let's look, look what Jeremiah said. Let's go back to this text here. So Jeremiah says, flee from the midst of Babylon and save everyone his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will recompense her. And if we go to the, 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 the chapter right before that, if we go to chapter 50, verse 8, look what it says. Move from the midst of Babylon. Go out of the land of the Chaldeans and be like the rams before the flock. So I don't know if you guys know about this, but the rams, when they're with the flock, they're always in front, they're always jumping, and they're always running. In other words, God is saying this is an urgent message. This is important. Hurry! It's urgent. Move from the midst of Babylon. So, so when this message arrived, notice what happened. When you guys see or, or study the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, you will understand that many Jews did not go back home. Sadly. But that's the fact. Many did not go back home because they had been accustomed to the language, to the music, to the customs. And today the same thing is going to happen. A lot of people are just going to decide to stay in Babylon. But God makes a call. And, and you know what, the, what Jesus said? He said that many are called, but few are chosen. Few decide to be of the chosen. That's what it's saying. Few decide to be of the chosen. Many are called. So I want to go back a few years. Uh, I don't want to bring any bad memories, but we know that Barbara and many of you were affected by the tornado here in Roulette. So I just want you guys to imagine this scene. You're at your house. It's really ugly outside. It's rainy and windy and the air feels like thick and dry. You know what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden you hear these sirens go off. Woo! You hear all these sirens go off and you know that something's wrong. So you turn on your television. And it says that a tornado is hitting your way. What are you going to do? You're going to sit down with your children and say, you know what? A tornado is a bad thing. So son, daughter, you got to make a decision because, you know, I mean, tornado can be destructive and it, it can kill you. Are you going to sit down and just have a conversation with your kids? No, you're going to grab them by the hands and you're out of there. You're out of there. Because this is a dangerous situation. So it's not something that you're going to think about. You're going to have to act on it. And today, the eternal salvation of many people are at stake. People die every single day without hope, without God. And it's up to us, the vessels that God wants to use to go to this world and call them out of Babylon. We have to let them know that Babylon will be destroyed soon. This is an urgent message. We have to go to those around us and invite them to accept Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Imagine this weekend, you know, when we think about what happened just a little bit over 2,000 years ago. I remember when I started ministry, I used to say, what happened 
you know, almost 2,000 years ago. And then later, what happened 2,000 years ago? Now we talk about something that happened just a little over 2,000 years ago. That Jesus came, became a human, and died for us. We have to let people know that. And a lot of people know the, the theory around Christianity, but they haven't practiced Christianity. They haven't accepted Jesus. You know, today, the United States is one of the best missionary places in the world. It's considered today, not only because of the influx of, of immigrants that have come from all over the world, but even those that were born and raised here are several generations uh, United States citizens, and they've been in this country all their life. This country today has become so secular. I was looking at some statistics just around our church, five-mile radius. We have a huge percentage that are called nuns, not the nuns of the Catholic Church, the nun-goers. They don't go to no church. They don't practice no faith. I think it was something like 25%, only in a five-mile radius of this church, don't have Jesus in their heart as their personal Savior. And so they don't identify with no church at all. And they just live their lives without hope. So it is urgent that we share God's message with those around us to accept Jesus Christ according to his word and practice all biblical truths is imperative. So let's be active, brothers and sisters, in sharing the three angels' message. Because the three spirits and the former frog, they're working hard. How about us? Let's live this message and let's give this message. So today we have been able to understand that Armageddon is, is not all this different fiction and interpretation. I was just basically talking about that final battle between Jesus and Satan right before his second coming. Babylon will fall. The dragon will fall. The false prophet will fall. The beast will fall. Babylon will be destroyed. Because Jesus, he will be fighting once again in the valley of Megiddo where he has never lost a battle. He has never lost a battle. Revelation is the message of hope. Time is coming to an end, brothers and sisters. And the hope that you and I have is the hope that we need to share. Let's stand up and sing our, sing our closing song today. And as we sing, let's, let's ask God to give us that, that inner force, that, that Holy Spirit, so that we can share this message before it's too late. Remember that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will defeat those powers. We have to be on the right side, of course. We have to be with the Lamb and follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Dear God, we are just so blessed today to recognize You once again as King of kings and Lord of lords. We know that the battle is going to take place, but we also know what the outcome is going to be. Jesus will be the overcomer in the Armageddon. Dear God, help us to live our lives committed to you. Help us to live our lives, to share this message of hope. Help us, Lord, to live our lives so that people can see Jesus in us and desire for him. 
We thank you, God, for your word and the clarity of your word. And, and Lord, we know that time is near. We also know that many need to hear the message. Many might be practicing Christians or professed Christians, and yet they don't know the truth for this end time. We need to let our voices be heard, and we need to see that our lives live according to the message. We thank you, God, for the promise of your second coming. We thank you for what you have prepared for us. Thank you for the hope that not only invades our hearts, but makes the difference. We ask a blessing upon everyone here today. Those that are online, help us to keep enjoying the hours of your holy Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.